ceiling is the roof. Where the ceiling is, is also the roof. Nearby or like in the same place? In your mind. Okay. I feel like we've discussed this before. Usually we have a guest and we just drill them on. (laughs) What do you think that weird crap means? (laughs) That's usually the first question, but uh, we were hoping today was going to be a little bit happier, a little bit more chipper. Uh, get out of that road trip with a nice two and one coming off a win in New York on TNT. Everybody gets to see how great Luca is. Everybody gets to see Kristaps Porzingis get revenge on the Knicks after they took one here from us. And uh, we're playing our part accurately. You and a, you and me to a maximum level. Oh yeah, by doing this. Yeah, we yeah. We're, we're still here, but uh, they didn't they didn't play their part last night. So. Here we are for another therapy sesh, um, early season therapy sesh for your Dallas Mavericks. Um, and once you get enough enough distance away from it, like this morning I wasn't nearly as upset as last night, and this afternoon I probably won't be as upset as I was this morning. So it's just time heals all. But, uh, man, that really sucked. <laughs> that was pretty tough. I have to say, I was thinking about it, talking about it with Coop, and this is kind of a you talking about distance makes you feel a little better about it. Mm-hmm. One of the first lessons I ever learned working in this league was from Faloese, who said, basically, he told me this long story about how Bob Ortigal basically cussed him out on the bus after a game because Faloese was down about it. And you're on the bus, usually within an hour of the game ending, so it's still pretty fresh. Yeah. But uh, last night, as we were walking to the, on the tarmac or whatever to get on the plane, um, it had Is been longer than... a brand? Or is think, Tarmac just the thing? I think it's the thing. It's not like Kleenex is what we call Kleenex. No, no, no. no. Like, I, I don't think Tarmac not. is like a type of cement. I think Tarmac is like the the place. The lingo. Yeah. Okay. So as we're as we are walking on a thing uh, to the airplane. It's the material. Oh, is it a material? Yeah. Ah. Material used for surfacing roads or other outdoor areas consisting of crushed rock mixed with tar. So does that mean that a highway is made of tarmac? I guess the highway can technically be a tarmac. I'm just going to start calling it yeah. the tarmac. Taking yeah. the George Bush tarmac yeah. up. <laughs> uh, so as we're walking out there, I caught up with Coop, and I was like, Coop, <laughs> I did a quick quick math in my head, whatever. This is the, since I started working here, this is the 232nd loss or whatever it is, and this, this might be the one that kind of grinds your gears the most. Mm. And he just turned to me and he goes, it's not the toughest loss. And, and he just kept walking. And I was like, you know, he's probably right. In the moment, it feels terrible. Right. But, like, you just, I don't know, you keep walking to the plane, yeah. you get on the plane, you come home, you wake up and do it again. I don't know. It's just one of those things where it just, as soon as Seth missed the three, yeah, and it was an air ball, I thought Which, the game was over. It turned out there was, like, this weird review where they got it back, but... Like, no one knew really how much time... It, it all happened very fast. So they had the, the wherewithal to call Marcus Morris for touching the ball before it went out of bounds. Julius Randle. Julius Randle. Yeah. To have the awareness to say, oh, that defender touched the ball. Well, what was the action that got him into touching the ball? Because I felt like Julius Randle bodied Seth about four feet to the right. Yeah, so Marcus Morris did that. So basically what happened is... Dorian got very lucky because he overthrew KP at midcourt. Yeah, that was right to Seth. And Seth took a dribble and shot. And Marcus Morris definitely had a hand on him or maybe even two. But I don't know if you can call that a foul. But I wouldn't – 
I wouldn't have been surprised if they did, but I don't know if it is a foul. Called on the floor, at least. But it was an air ball, and Julius Randle was under the basket yeah. and touched the ball. And that would have been an all-time blunder if yeah. the Mavs would have come back and somehow well, tied the game. then try to walk in bounds after we're on that. When yeah, we, were well, doing, we were doing the foul They were going to challenge it. Yeah, it was those. Yeah. That was wild. That was a very weird game, and it, the last yeah. five minutes were tough. But anyway, as soon as Seth missed that shot, I was like, I am going to die. <laughs> and then by the time I left the arena, I was like, I mean, yeah, yeah, okay. you know, it's, it sucks pretty bad. Your heart's been broken before. You can. Yeah, absolutely. You can I mean, survive it. Man, I remember 2006, bro. Yeah, exactly. Nothing can be worse than that. 100%. But, uh, but yeah, it's that was... That was very tough. Dude, there's I very have to say games. there's been five losses this season, and that one was the worst. <laughs> <laughs> there's no doubt about it. There are few, very few sporting events anymore that I'm like that get my blood boiling. But hearing that crowd and seeing all their fr- fans just going apes every time KP touched the ball and just yelling heinous stuff at him, like dude, they yelled traitor at him during the national anthem. That's and insane. it wasn't just one. I know Malika Andrews was the first one that tweeted about it because I was going to tweet about it and say some things that I probably would have yeah. regretted saying. I would have ended up deleting the tweet, but mm-hmm. um, it was not just one guy yelling traitor. Yeah. And one someone yelled go back to Latvia, and just it was just so gross and what weird. are we doing? Yeah, it was really weird. What are like, we doing, man? The Knicks traded him and agreed to trade him the day before they traded him like this was not it, it, kp didn't go in and demand anything but whatever yeah. uh, the truth doesn't matter anymore yeah it's more spectacle and it was very few times i listened to a game with the sound like all the way up but i listened to this entire one with the sound up and just it made my blood like boil i was so upset i was like this is awful like i can't imagine being there and you were there and i was like Man, I would have lost my mind. Like when Denver almost lost my mind because you get to sit in a section of fans, basically, is where the media sit. Uh, sit and you're just sur- you're like in a row. You're like in a row with fans, basically, with a little table in front of you. And after every play, I don't know how all the former officials in the NBA moved to Denver and sat in that section, but they were all <laughs> they were all there. All these people thought they knew every single rule and knew everything, like sitting 200 feet away. Memphis fans are really good about that. I don't, have are you they? been to a game in Memphis? No, I haven't been to Memphis yet. So we sit, uh, it's one of the last places in the NBA where media is allowed to sit courtside. That's awesome. And uh, they have quite a bit of seating, actually. So at... The American Airlines Center is one of them as well, but there's only, I think, like six or eight seats. Yeah. So it's really like your beat riders and your national people. Soon. And, That's yes. my next play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Courtside. Uh, in Memphis, they have, I want to say, like 12. Okay. So it, they're pretty accommodating, which is, which is great because sitting courtside is cool until Rick is standing right in front of you for like <laughs> yeah. the final three quarters. Yeah. But uh, the, the two guys that sit right behind that area where I always sit whenever we go to Memphis, mm-hmm. they know everything about every official. It's really, and I mean, I mean like they like scout the officials. It's not That's just that wild. they're your, your, you know, sofa chair, mm-hmm. uh, armchair officials. They're like, they, Oh, David Guthrie, he did this, this, <laughs> this. And it's like, Oh my God. Ah, Ed Malloy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what were great. the, uh, what was the, the broadcast like? Uh, broadcast was, well, it was Reggie and it was, was that Ian Eagle? I can't remember who, did the TNT. Kevin Harlan, I think. Kevin Harlan, Reggie Miller. I'm sorry. Every white dude that calls games that has a clean shaven face that is 60 years old and has the same voice. Like, you could play audio of Iron dude, Eagle. Iron Eagle rules. He's awesome. But Kevin Harlan has a great voice, too. Yeah. Um, and then Reggie's out there saying Donkich. 
for three hours, game. just driving me insane, which is another, and just in general, not knowing anything about this team um, was driving me insane. And then all the Knicks fans were just being so Knicks fan. And uh, it was not an enjoyable evening. Um, I guess it was for the spectacle and just, I'm glad we care about every game now. That's pretty cool uh, for me. But it was, that was a tough one, man. I just sat there and stared at my computer screen for about 40 minutes afterwards and was trying to find a perfect song I could play to cheer myself up, but it never, <laughs> it never came. You just kept returning to pure yeah. comedy, and you're like, this is yeah. not... Right. This is, Baby not shark even, on loop. There's nothing ironic about this. <laughs> no, but uh, it's Mike. It's, uh, I'm the director of Digital Hit the Mavs. That's Bobby Corella. He is the... I don't know, his title's digital content manager, but you know him as the pregame uh, interviewee, um, the podcast host, the the host of the pregame show on the screen as My well. My primary job duty is getting interviewed for two minutes. <laughs> yes, that's all you do. Game. That's all you do. The, re- the dessert review man, um, his green screen show has taken the internet by storm. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is the ceiling is the roof. It's our podcast that me and Bobby do together. If we get a guest, we get a guest. If we don't, and we just want to look at each other and cry and uh, and lament what happened the night before, then that's totally fine. Um, but yeah, this is the ceiling is the roof, and it's brought to you by NordVPN. So let's talk about digital hygiene, Bob. Every okay. day, every single day, I guarantee you that you take your phone or your laptop into a public space where you're on some random Wi-Fi and it's not protected at all. That happens. Public Wi-Fi. Dude, I was on public Wi-Fi at Madison Square Garden last exactly. night. Exactly. For us, it is double so because we travel so much and we're in random places and you're in a hotel this night, you're in a hotel the next night, you're in a venue, you're at getting lunch, trying to do some work. Um, so you're connecting your device directly onto whatever random Wi-Fi hotspot pops up. That's convenient. And that's how your data gets stolen. That's only one of the solves that NordVPN can provide for you. Online safety is crucial these days, um, but online freedom is also something that you don't even realize is getting taken from you because you're not using a VPN. So you and I travel. We're in different places each week. Uh, I noticed whenever I was in Vancouver, I could not get HBO Go. I could not get my version of Netflix to keep watching my shows. That's because my computer was not working on on a VPN. It was geomapped to this area, so I thought I was in Vancouver. Accurate, but also that means I can't get the content that I want to see. So that's online freedom, right? So why would you let somebody control your online experience right down to the kind of deals you get when searching for flights? If you're in Dallas and you look up a flight from Dallas, it's going to be pricier. Is it really? Absolutely. That is then if you are, BS, honestly. If you are geomapped to somewhere else, and if you use VPN, you can be. So these problems exist and smart people have come up with solutions for them and those smart people are NordVPN. And Mike. And also me because I'm telling you about it. For a limited time, Mavs fans get 70% off a three-year plan at NordVPN.com slash Mavs. NordVPN.com slash Mavs. That means your subscription is just $3.49 a month and that's such a small price to pay for better digital hygiene and online freedom. If you enter the promo code MAVS, you'll get an extra four free months of NordVPN. Visit, Nord P- Nord- <laughs> Visit NordVPN.com slash MAVS for 70% off a three-year plan today. Dude, 350 a month is really good. Yeah. I mean, that's like, you can save all, you can save a year's worth of money easily on one flight, basically. No doubt. If not two years worth of money. I wonder where the, 
data that we use on the team plane goes now. <laughs> it's in space, man. <laughs> it just flies through the plane yeah. and goes straight into space. We did upgrade the Wi-Fi. I got to say, it works great. That's legit. The Wi-Fi on the plane before was kind of tough, but it is... Uh, it never worked. Like, yeah. I couldn't do anything. Couldn't do the things I need to do on a plane, which is... Yeah. Send the clips and oh, edit dude, Imagine trying to upload a video. I mean, like, uploading a post-game interview mm-hmm. takes the whole entire flight. Yeah. That it still isn't super fast. I might have been, like, late to get on the, uh, to mm-hmm. jump on the connection. And there was, like, already 10 people on there streaming Die Hard 3 or whatever. Um, There's a lot of Netflix <laughs> viewers on that plane. Dude, Sham. Sham is the goat, okay? Sham was double screening. With phones and iPads on the plane. Dude, that is rad. <laughs> He's watching something and also doing like Twitter or something. It was really funny on the way to, uh, what day was Sunday? I think we were flying to Boston on yeah. Sunday after the Memphis game because we stayed overnight in Memphis. Mm-hmm. Really unusual that we stayed overnight in Memphis but traveled from Boston to New York the night after the game and then from New York to yeah. Dallas the night after the, But anyway, What's whatever. the precedent? Yeah, I don't know. You have to lose an hour to, for, for it to... I don't know. I don't know. But... um. Anyway, we're flying, and uh, Dwayne pulls up one football game on his phone. He pulls up the Chiefs game, and mm-hmm. then I pull up the Ravens game on my phone. And uh, Dwayne, like, switched over. It was, like, the 3 o'clock games or whatever. He switched over to the Saints-Falcons, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, his phone, like, the, the stream that he was watching would buffer and then pick up exactly where it left off. Like, it yeah. wouldn't skip ahead. And so by the time we landed, he fell asleep. And so by the, hour by the time we landed, it was like still the first half of the game had been <laughs> over. It was I'm, so far behind. I'm just impressed. He kept up, like he would lean over and say like, hey, you know, the Bengals are winning 10 nothing," And I'm like, dude, it's like 21-17 yeah. right now. Yeah, it's a great game going on, <laughs> yeah. bud. Um, all right. So last night I felt like almost all of the issues that have plagued us through the previous four losses – kind of popped up in one game, and that's how you end up only scoring whatever it was, 103 103 against the Knicks, who... A pretty good offensive showing, though, based on the number of possessions. Yeah, yeah. They're still number two in the league. Well, that's part of the problem, though, right? Yeah. Is we don't have anybody that will consistently push the ball. Mm. Um, If you don't have... If Tim isn't going off for 20 or, you know, fill in your third guy, whoever your, your flavor of the week is... Um, if they're not going off for 20 points, then it just – it's really difficult because then you need 10 from about four different people. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like Dwight's rounding into form. Um, and some other guys, I can look at him and go, tonight I can, I know what I'm going to get from you. But, man, Seth had one of his worst games uh, as He's a man. He's missed 11 straight threes. Wow. That doesn't happen if your last name's Curry. No. That's crazy. Or if your first name is Seth. Yeah. Um, so I guess take your selection from the buffet of things that are bothering us right now. Uh, and not, and the problem is not all of them are consistent, right? It's one game. Um, we don't play good defense. And then one game, it's a clutch situation. We can't, we can't quite crack. Um, and then last night it's starting one of 11 from three or one of 13 or whatever it grew up to two and for 18 at halftime uh, and then having and that's no- the thing i mean like all of this stuff is we could talk about x's and o's and rotations and play calls and pace and all that stuff but when the knicks shoot 27 of 58 mm-hmm. in two games from three 27 of 58 and the mavs shoot i think 22 for 80 
I want to say. Yeah, I think that's what you sent me last night. You have no chance to yeah. win. I mean, it doesn't matter. It Literally nothing else matters in the world. Yeah. I could shoot 1,000 free throws, but if you're going to make half of your 63s and I'm going to make a quarter of my 80, you're going to lose. Yeah, you're, so fight, you're fighting It's almost math. like the cheat code, right? Yeah. It just If you just shoot 50%. Hey, Marcus Morris, <laughs> who was 5 of 7 on threes last night, I believe, and then in the first game he might have been 5 for 8. I mean – that is absurd. He made two threes in the final 30 seconds of that game, yeah. which is just, you know, what do you... Yeah. So, I don't know. But uh, I guess my... If we're, if we're just going to start chipping away at Problem Mountain here... Yeah, and I don't want to overstate it. I mean... It's still six and five. Yeah, I, I don't really think we need to make any final conclusions until you're at least like 20, 25 games in, until you know what this team does in almost every situation, and you've seen the good part of it and okay well into the portland game we kind of didn't know what defense we were in and you know Mm. uh so i don't want to jump to any conclusions but these things if they don't sort themselves out they just become either different things or you or you create um you know you're putting your finger in the in the in the wall that's spilling water at you and then another one pops up over here because you're doing that yeah so i i think my Biggest, I talked with Followell for numbers on the boards earlier this week because uh, Skin was not on the road with us. Followell and I talked the day of the Boston game and about things that we noticed or whatever. And I, I remember talking to him about pace. And at the time, I said that they had won three of their four fastest pace games, which is still true. Uh, and if you know their record, if they're 3-1 and one in those games, it means they're 3-4 and four in the others. Right. And uh, now, in fact... Their four slowest pace games have all been road games at Cleveland, at mm-hmm. New York, at Denver, at Boston. And now Denver plays very slow. New York plays pretty slow. Boston even plays kind of slow sometimes. So um, it's no surprise that whenever you're more prone to be a slow-paced team as the Mavs are, that whenever you play other slow teams, you're going to be playing slow. But uh, to be 2-2 two and two in those games, and the game in Denver really did come down to like the last shot. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just I don't think. I, see, I this is where you have to be careful, right? Because like in those same games, they have better than a two. Their three best assist to turnover ratio games have come in those games. Yeah. And so you know, whenever you go on the road, I mean, think about it in football. If you go on the road, you're going to try and be a little more conservative than you would be at home. That doesn't necessarily translate seamlessly over to the NBA, mm-hmm. but it does stand to reason that if you're running more plays on the road, because you know, as as Rick Carlisle, maybe you want to control the game a little more because you got a lot of young guys who are going through stuff, and on the road there's going to be runs, and you're going to be you know getting booed and and yelled at, cussed at all game. Uh, maybe you want to run stuff you're familiar with, and you're much less likely to turn it over running a play, a set play that you've practiced a thousand times than you would be if you just say, all right, Luka and KP, just work a two-man game until one of you gets open. You know, that's whenever they make mistakes. And so on the road, if you want to play mistake-free basketball, generally that means you're going to play a slower-paced game, which means you're going to have fewer possessions, which means the importance of every shot is exponentially increased, which means you can't start two for 18 from three or one for, I believe, one for 16 from three as they did in Boston. You lose to the Knicks by three and to the Celtics by, what, four or five? Mm-hmm. And in both of those games combined, I think you hit four threes in the first half on, yep. like, 30-plus attempts. You can't – this is going to be breaking news. To you. <laughs> like, you can't win games like that. So 
is it a chicken or egg thing? Are they missing threes because so many of them are being taken late in the shot clock? Or are they running more set plays because they can't work together to create good shots because they're unfamiliar? Um, also, are they not running as much on the road as they are at home? Because, let's see, let me, let me sort it by uh, this here. One, two, three, four. Six of their seven worst defensive performances this season have come in road games. So if you're taking the ball out from underneath your own basket, you can't push the other way necessarily. Yeah. You're going to be giving up. Uh, you're you're going to be exhausted. I mean, it's just it's one of those. I don't know, man. It's just it's really tough. I think I think it's a fear of the live ball turnover too. It is for right? sure. Right? Because and I'm talking about one person. I mean, he is the the alien, the superstar, the guy that's probably. I mean, if season ended right now, he's top five in MVP votes. But whenever he does start speeding the ball up and, um, you know, getting up and down the court in a quick-like fashion, the ball finds the other team. Mm. And those are often in the backcourt, um, and they're often going another way for two points. So you start from that point, right? What do you really – what's the number one priority for you? Um, and, you know, you think about it from football because football offense and defense is tied together um, in such a, such a neat way that you can see it because you take the ball over at this point of the field and then you start going the other way. But if you if you want to keep the ball from being a live ball turnover coming the other way, you're going to play slow. You pay, play slow, you're going to get yourself into final three, four possessions of a game situation, which this team is very good. It's super talented. We have one of the best offenses in basketball for stretches. Um, really for the first 40 minutes of a game. Yeah, they don't know how to close. Yeah. They just don't. I mean, Luca did it in Denver after having one of the worst games of his season, um, where he looked like he did he was, it on one possession. Yeah, though. where it looked like he was trying to dribble a uh, hot air balloon or something. <laughs> like for about half the game, I was like, "What did they do to this basketball?" <laughs> it was um, really weird, man. And then he was like, "Okay, enough. I need to get to the rim," and he did it. But when you get yourself into, you're just threading such a needle right now. Um, you're just trying to make the impossible shot, which is play slow, make enough threes because you're going to shoot 50. That's just going to happen, or at least 40. Um, and so you're trying to hit that domino, hit that next domino, and then get into a late-game situation where it's you're up by more than three points. So you don't get into a free-throw situation, which hasn't played well for us thus far. Yeah. Um, or a situation – I mean, it's – and it doesn't have to be offensive playmaking in the clutch. It can also be defensive playmaking in the clutch, mm. which, I mean, I think Dorian is the only one that's made a defensive play late in the game. No, I mean, Maxie had that block at Denver, which proved to be the biggest play of the game, I think. Uh, yeah, that's the play true. that was overturned. And then DeLon Wright, too, in New Orleans, second game of the year. Uh, it was like a three- or four-point game. And uh, guy on the Pelicans, I don't remember who it was. I'm just going to say Brandon Inger, but it probably wasn't. DeLon kind of snuck up behind him and yeah. poked it away. Yeah, but that's it. Yeah. yeah, and because the bucket that cut our throat against Portland was the Lucas sliding and assuming someone's going to come blitz or step up and mm. stop. Day. Okay, he's just going to score. Yeah. Um, hold on, Spencer is bothering me a lot. <laughs> what do you want, Spencer? What? What are you talking about? All right, so... Which one of these, <laughs> or which ones of these issues do you think are correctable with time and just figuring out the exact rotation? 
because I, you know, we don't need to talk about lineups necessarily because that's a popular internet topic of everyone has their favorite lineup and minute distribution. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not there every day. I'm not going to pretend like I know. Dude, tweeting the starting lineup has become one of the most stressful things (laughs) ever because there's just a cascade of takes (laughs) that come with it. And it's like, it's just... The starting lineup only plays together for like eight minutes a game anyway. Right. Like it just it does not really matter that much. Yeah, it's it's a for it's this a, team. For most teams, it does, but for this team, not really. That's a it's a weird deal because it's the one you keep in mind. And those if it's like quarterback losses, mm. you know what I mean, where they shouldn't be pegged with the loss. It's probably what the rest of the team is doing. And if your defense gives up forty five points, it doesn't really matter what you do as a quarterback. And so whenever I see a starting lineup and I remember that, and then at the end of the game, I remember that that lineup lost yep. <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> like yeah. it didn't work. Like the real, I remember the hottest take was after the first Knicks loss, it was, what are you doing starting Courtney Lee? <laughs> yeah. Well, in that game, he was like plus five. So, yeah, I fine. mean, definitely wasn't Courtney Lee's fault. But yeah, uh, but yeah it, I, I think the number one thing that's correctable with time is clutch performance. Mm-hmm. They are... 29th in the NBA Yikes. in clutch offensive rating, and that's whenever it's the final five minutes of the game or overtime, fourth quarter or overtime, whenever the score is within five points. They have an 80.3 offensive rating in the clutch, which means you give them 100 possessions, they're scoring <laughs> 80, 80 points. points. That's awful. That's very bad uh, because for the rest of – literally the rest of the time this season, they're scoring like 113. Yeah. So you're taking a significant step back. Well – that's not that big of a problem because a lot of teams don't play a lot of clutch minutes. Mm-hmm. For example, only six teams have played 30 minutes in the clutch, but the Mavericks are one of those six teams. They've actually played 36 clutch minutes. Eight of their games have come down to clutch situations, including each of the last two losses. Uh, they're three and five in those eight games. So if you play to a coin flip in eight out of 11 games and your offense in those situations has not performed very well at all, well, you're probably going to lose most of those games. So I don't necessarily think that 72% of the remainder of their games on the schedule will come down to the clutch. But if they do, you have to hope that they find something that works. And what have we seen them do so far? We've seen isolations for Porzingis in the post. Uh, We've seen Luka V5 uh, a couple different times. Whenever they've actually had success – in New York, Lucas swung it to the corner, and DeLon drove baseline for a layup. That was one of his most decisive moves all year. Uh, Dorian hit that big three against the Lakers. Mm-hmm. So other guys have come up and made some shots. Uh, they've clearly missed shots, too, like Seth Curry's missed a couple shots. Um, but, yeah, I think finding your secret sauce in the clutch, whether it's just like Brooklyn with Kyrie, they've played 44 clutch minutes this year. They have 118 offensive rating because Kyrie just goes one-on-one and kills people. So either you have to hope Luka gets to that level Mm -hmm. or KP takes a little bit of a step forward or just everyone gets a little more familiar with each other and kind of you know where to be because so often in the clutch you're not going to be running plays and so you have to be able to read each other. Mm -hmm. But we've just said, I mean, whenever they don't run plays, it seems like they turn it over a lot. And so that's kind of like a thing you just hope gets a little better with time. So that's the number one thing for me, clutch offense – uh, in your coin flip games, what can you do with your superstar and your other guy in KP who is this close to being a superstar? I mean, remember, the dude is struggling right now and still averaging 20 and 8, 20 yeah. and 9. Um, yeah, that's the number one thing. I don't know. What, what about it? What is it for you? 
For me, I mean, we can talk about all the statistical things and the pace and all that stuff, but to me it's uh, growing out of getting duped into a style of game. Mm. I think that's going to happen in about a month when they're going to play somebody and, you know, fill in the blank team that goes super big on you. And it's not necessarily a lineup thing. It's kind of like how you play against, okay, I know Julius Randle, Taj Gibson, Mitchell Robinson, um, Marcus Morris. I'm sure there's another one I'm forgetting. Marcus Morris Sr. Marcus Morris Sr., SR. Um, Those guys, they're all 250-plus pounds. They're all 6'9-plus. They are just going to try and kick your ass. Like, they're going to turn it into a wrestling match. Mm. And instead of you engaging them in this wrestling match and trying to turn it into a a rebounding game or a low post game or um, and the Lakers game comes to mind as well because they got duped into what happens to everybody when they play LeBron which is you're on your heels you just play weird you don't play like you usually do. It's the I don't you just get kind yeah. of shook. It's yeah. the colors. It's yeah. the team, it's the player, it's the fans. Right. And I think at some point they're going to grow out of that. They're going to grow out of searching for the dramatic moment, which is what Luka's doing a lot in games. Um he's got this decision-making cork that keeps happening, right? Where it's um his brain is <laughs> acknowledging if I hit this shot right now from this spot, it would be the coolest thing anybody's ever seen. Instead of going, you know what, I'm going to prod, and I know that if I need to, I've got this shot in my bag. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to run this pick and roll, and I'm going to put pressure on them, and I'm going to make them mess up. Um, and then, you know what, if I need to step back with four seconds left, it's in my bag. Um, and I think just guys playing way outside of their minds is what's happening a lot of nights. Um, and it's got to be extreme cases. LeBron, to me, the Knicks are an extreme case because they'll play seven centers. What, what, at some point in the NBA, in the history of this league, they're going to play seven dudes that are centers. <laughs> <laughs> and we're throwing Dorian out there at like five for mm. some lineups. And it's like, I love Dodo. He's, he's strong for his position, super big for his position and long. But, dude, he starts getting down there tussling with Julius Randle, who can probably, like, bench a house. It just, it's not fair, right? Mm. And if you got four, one, one of those dudes is a pain in the ass. When you got four or five of them, like, you just cannot play that ball. You either got to get ahead of it lineup-wise and say, you know what, that's fine. You can play a bunch of slow-footed dudes. I'm playing four guards. Chase them around. Go ahead. You might win it on rebounds, but you know what? I'm going to get open three after open three after open three. Um, or you got to outdog them, and you got to start like some bigger dudes than them. And I mean, most nights we're not going to start Boban, Maxi, KP together. Like that's just not a thing. But that's the kind of lineup you need if you're trying to if you're trying to play on their field instead of bringing them to your field. That's kind of what happens. I thought Boban was good last night. He was good. But, uh, He's yet to hit his uh, no look turnaround yeah, his shot. Turnaround th- yeah, he didn't have it going on offense. And yeah. with him, that's kind of the the ultimate like what he's giving you, right? Yeah. He's giving you easy points. Mm-hmm. Um, they had Luka still scored and KP. ten. Wow. I know this was a very very tense time for the internet. But uh, the Mavs played the first basically seven six and a half seven oh, minutes of the fourth quarter, quarter without Luca and KP. And part of it was 
the clock didn't stop for like a really long time because both teams were just missing shots, just repeatedly missing shots. And Rick kind of did the same thing in Boston too with Luca on the bench. I think KP was on the floor, but Luca was sitting out at this time. Um, Well, it looked like Luca was like re-wrapping his ankle or knee or something. Mm, He knows he's got a lot of time, so he's going to And they like showed him, it was like three minutes into the fourth, and I'm like, no one can like get a bucket. Mm. Like we can't get an accidental bucket right now. Yeah. Either way, and I'm like, this is the point in the game where you're supposed to get that four point lead for when Luca comes back in. Because mm. um, in theory, you're six through ten on your bench is way better than theirs. Yeah, I mean they um, they couldn't score, but Rick did that a lot with uh, with Dirk back in the day too. And now Dirk wouldn't miss the first six minutes of the fourth quarter, but he would he would start the fourth quarter. And then uh, even in the finals, he would come out, and mm-hmm. obviously the, the the it reached a crescendo. My frustration with that, 20-year-old Bobby's frustration with that, reached a crescendo in 2011 Game 2 whenever Dirk left the game with, like, whatever, seven and a half minutes left and then went out for a minute and a half. And in that time, Miami went on an 8-0 run, and D-Wade is punching LeBron's chest or whatever, and they're, mm-hmm. like, throwing towels all over the place because they think they won the championship. Well, as Dirk was off the floor. Uh, so you're you're kind of naturally, I guess, playing with fire if your your best player is on the bench in the fourth quarter. But um, I don't know, man. Like the Mavs were winning whenever he came back in with 5:53 left. They were up one. Now I feel like I think a lot of fans feel like you probably could have scored more than eight points in those six plus minutes had Luca been on the floor. But well, the only, the only reason, reason it was tied is because Luca went nuts in the last two minutes of the third. And so that, that's one of those things about minutes distributions that I just like I, – I just can never really wrap my head all the way around because, mm-hmm. yeah, I would love for Luca to be on the floor in the fourth quarter, especially whenever you're playing against a bad team's bench because he could, he could punish them. But you, would, you were down 10 like three minutes ago because yeah. he hadn't touched the ball in a while. So – He's going to miss six minutes at a time, no matter what. It really comes down to when you want him to miss those six minutes and then what the players without him do. Uh, and what the players do without him. I'm not Yoda here. <laughs> but, uh, you know, had he missed the final six minutes of the third, they would have been down 15. Yeah. Had he missed the final three and the first three, they would have been down like six. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they, he misses the first six, the fourth, and they're up one. And so it's, you just can't. You can't turn it into a, a Rick Carlisle doesn't play Luka in the fourth quarter thing because they had so many chances to further their lead. I mean, they, they were missing layups. Yeah, they missed they like missing three layups. Threes. I mean, it was just – it was tough. They, they, they got plenty of stops on Kevin Knox and Julius Randle, forced turnovers. They overturned a challenge and, and whatever, they, but they couldn't win the jump ball. I mean – just a lot of situations. So many jump of, balls lately. There were a lot of jump balls. Like, let's take they that didn't out of win the any game. of them. They didn't win any of them. They KP won the opening tip, but Boban lost the uh, yeah. Boban lost the jump ball um, after the challenge, and then Luca lost the jump ball to uh, Nilakina. That's right. With that was with a few minutes left. Didn't let's KP see. lose one? KP lost one. Uh, yeah. Uh, did he? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. In, at yeah. their own free throw line. Uh, so this was, I think, a very pivotal moment in the game. The what Mavs were down 96 to 95. Um, Luca is back in the game at this point. KP's back in the game. They've had a couple empty possessions. Uh, their previous basket at 608, Hardaway put them in front. Luca checked back in. They had a couple empty possessions, and then Barrett hits a layup to put New York in front. Luca gets the ball, 
makes a bad pass immediately, steal, uh, Knicks go the other way. Uh, they don't score. The Mavs get the ball back. Luka brings it up again. Frank Nilakina rips him, falls on the ball. It's a jump ball. Luka loses the jump ball. Marcus Morris comes down and hits a three. Luka misses a step back three. And at that point, you're like, oh, God, there's three minutes left and we're down four. What happened? Uh, so, I don't know, man. I mean, rotation talk is just exhausting to me because, like I said, man, he's not going to play more than 36, 38 minutes. And so he's going to sit eventually. And you can you can pinpoint any time in the game where he's out. And if they lose that six minutes, then that's going to be the pivotal time yeah. of the game. But, I mean, they had plenty of chances. They were winning when he came back in. And uh, they were losing – basically before he scored his next point, and it's because he made a couple turnovers and they couldn't get any stops, and that's how it goes. Yeah, and I don't know if it's as simple as whenever he's in there, there's a lot of ball watching. There's a lot of uh, two guys are in the corner, stagnant, not moving, and then whenever he comes out of the game, it's a completely different, like, okay, guys, let's do the thing we haven't done in 20 minutes now. Mm. Um, I don't know what the explanation is and that's not a criticism of him no not at all i i think you're right though i mean you kind of see like he'll pass it to someone mm-hmm. and they'll like take a dribble and if they don't have a driving lane it's all right yeah. get it right back to him yeah you know he doesn't lead the nba in touches per game by accident yeah exactly i think the fix for it is what i wanted Jalen to be thus far in the season which is um however it whatever form it comes in and my idea was it coming in a 6-2 point guard that's not the quickest dude but can body his way into the lane and create shots. Um, you got to have somebody that can penetrate besides Luka because right now that's the offense. It's Luka going Superman um, or KP knocking down threes. Or, I mean, if we're hitting our threes and KP and, uh, and Luka's playing well, then that's fine. That's, that's how every game this season that we win, I think the formula is going to say that. It's going to say, Luca played well. We hit an average amount of threes. Win. Um, we got to find a different way to win. We got to have a third way in there. If the shots aren't falling, yeah. if either Luca or KP is off. Right. Because that's not going to be the last time someone has a good shooting night from three. Because we apparently, I don't know, it's the two Knicks games that stick out, but our bigs just can't defend the three point line consistently. When I went up four or five, or a guy that's playing the four or five, uh, starts creeping out to the three-point line. And against the Knicks, I guess that's kind of the theory is pack the paint because they've got seven paint players. And But when Julius Randle starts creeping out and Bobby Porter starts creeping out and Marcus Morris starts creeping out, it seems like the shot is up before we're within three feet of them. We're giving up a lot of looks that would be considered wide-open looks mm-hmm. by tracking data. So uh, we gotta got to find a new way to win. Um, Denver was the one that sticks out to me that's like, Jeez, how did we do that? And it was nine guys in double figures. and The Nuggets podcast after that game was, we've <laughs> got to find out a different way to win yeah. if Jokic doesn't have it going. you know. Yeah, absolutely. But that it gets frustrating because I want Luka to be as good as possible, and I want him to score. I want him to score 50 points a game if he can. Um, and watching him become this just otherworldly talent, um, and I'm not saying that's at the expense of everything else, but right now it feels like, the other stuff isn't fitting in quite right. And it's 11 games in. It's a second season, and it's a brand new mesh of dudes. But it's go crazy, score 35, 
have an insane assist to turnover ratio, and we hit an average number of threes, and we're going to win the game. And there's not another formula right now. Yeah, if they take 40 threes and you make 15 of them, that's like a what, – what is that? That's – I shouldn't have asked this question without doing the math in my head. That's three out of eight. 37 and a half. So if you go 14 for 40, you're getting 42 points. You're shooting about league average from three. You should win almost every game. But Mm -hmm. if you go 10 for 40, that's only four shots. But that's 12 points. That's a lot of points. And so you have to make up those points some way. Uh, and, and you said, you know, if, if Luca or KP doesn't have it going or if the threes aren't falling, they got to find a, win game, a way to win games. I think that way is defensively. Uh, this year, they have not been very good on defense. Uh, there, is, there is no debating that, man. They are, uh, they are, let's see here. What are they now? Do I even want to know? They're oh, 21st please. in defensive rating. Uh, they're now worse than the Knicks on defense. So you can score all the points in the world that you want. They're number two in offense. But this is kind of the exact same conversation that 2014 me would have had with 2014 you is mm-hmm. they score a lot. They're a lot of fun to watch on offense. But if you can't get enough stops, you can't win games. And that's why they traded for Rondo, which obviously yeah. didn't work. But Well, that's that's um, the good point is not that they traded for Rondo. That's an awful point. But uh, <laughs> Well, they traded for Dwight if, Powell. <laughs> if your defensive ceiling – is, is your roof. roof yeah if your defensive roof is i don't know at best if our talent lives up to everybody hits their best defensive year do we live we live up to 12th in the league defensive rating 12th best defensive unit so I'm, I'm, my question is do you double down on the outliers because you're you're running this slow pace and in my estimation to keep your defense from suffering right in the long Potentially. run. Potentially. Yeah. And also so Luke is not sprinting it up the floor every time. But that's where right. having another guy would help him. So, right. But that's the whole thing is do you want another ball handler out there? Because Luke is so good. Like, yeah. You're number two in the league whenever it, he's your only point guard. It takes a very unique player to play next to him, I yep. think. Um, it's not, not that's that they, why they went after Kimball Walker. Right. I mean, but that is it is what it is. It's not It's not that they don't exist. It's that they make a lot of money and they they get drafted pretty high and uh, mm-hmm. you know, all that kind of stuff. But I'm saying if if – you're looking at your, uh, your like web layout that they do for combine uh, guys, right? And it's like speeds this way, uh, arm length is down here. Would you just lean into these polarized areas, which are your offensive points possession are awesome, half court's awesome, your transition is spectacular whenever you choose to do it. Your defense, I don't know if everybody has a career year if we're better than 12th defensively. And that's they've had three games this year that are above average on defense. Wow, three out of eleven. Jeez. Yeah. So I don't know if we're ever going to be effective defensively. It's almost like whenever you have a bad defense, um, you start playing passing lanes more, right? Because you're just trying to cheat it. KP did that a lot last night. Yeah, you're trying. You're trying to cheat it. And Luca did too. He had some. He had three steals, Mm -hmm. um, and they were all live ball, like in between my man and the ball. Thank you. Go the other way. Um, But almost like the year when we traded for Rondo. Would you rather be the best offense in basketball and run the pace a little bit more higher octane, um, or do you kind of want to drag your offense down? And it doesn't—it's not a direct correlation, but I think it kind of does. Um, whenever you start slowing the pace down to control the ball to help your defense out, and um, it's, it's just an interesting thing I think about all the time. Like, why are you doing this? What's the end goal that you're trying to do by walking the ball up and calling plays every time? Okay, you're kind of trying to avoid turnovers because your defense is awful. Well, 
why are you trying to help the squeaky wheel? Help the, help the wheel that is trucking, which is your offense. And, you, and if you crank the pace up a little bit, and that's, that's another thing that happens with the lineups. When we put a lineup, almost every lineup we put out there, I look at it and I go, okay, we got one of everything. Mm-hmm. We, got, we got one Dorian, one, one defensive flex guy. We got, we got one Maxi out there. We got one Roller into White Pal. We got a KP out there. Um, and that's cool. You're kind of blanketed. You got to solve for each lineup you want to roll out there. And it's nice and neat. And when I got a wing out there I want to defend, I throw DeLon out there. And when I think Seth can get hot against some other team's backcourt, I put Seth out there. There's not two of anything mm-hmm. to me. And not to simplify it, but maybe you need two shooters at all times out there with Luka. Like two knockdown shooters. And I know they're trying to do that with Seth and KP. It's not happening. <laughs> yeah. I mean, KP and Dwight hasn't really been working, and that is shocking to me because yeah. on paper, which is – you know, whenever we're speculating about this thing mm-hmm. in August, that's all we have because there's no tape. It seems like that's incredible. That's, Dwight's yeah. the best role man. KP was the best spot-up mm-hmm. guy or best catch-and-shoot right. guy. And that's not like an exaggeration. Yeah. They were literally – 2018-19, Dwight Powell was the best offensive player. He yeah. was the best role man. KP, 2017-18, was the best catch-and-shoot player. Yeah. If you put them together that's, with that, you arguably it, yeah. the best passer in the NBA – right. That should be yeah. an easy, easy every every time. Maybe best vision. I don't know if he's the best passer. Well, who's better? He turns the ball over a lot to be. Yeah, he does. Best. He does. He, ma- he makes the spec. That's what I'm saying. He sees passes that aren't there, mm. which is incredible skill to have. I'd rather have that than the normal Gennaro passer. Yeah. Um, but he does turn the ball over a lot. Too. Yeah, I guess Trey and LeBron probably turn it over a little less. Yeah. But I think it's those three. Yeah. No, which for is sure. Amazing. Trey Young, yeah. by the way, is so good. But yeah. I think that. Dwight, uh, Dwight's heating up, though. Dwight's uh, 12 picks for Luka per game now, and he's averaging 1.22 points per direct pick. That's so good. He's, he's turning it around. For a while, man, it was tough. Yeah, he was. Which he is to be expected. I mean, start. his first few games back, he couldn't catch the ball. Even mm-hmm. then, the last couple games, he's missed some bunnies. But The timing um, was weird, too. There were a lot of passes that were like uh, Nerland's year here when I was like, Nerland's roll's so weird on a pick and roll and takes such weird angles that people throw weird passes and then he ends up almost looking like he's going to die, like it's, hit the backboard. It's this weird thing now where teams are kind of like, they're not really throwing two guys at Luka, but they're throwing like one and a half. Well, and so Luka's like pausing, yeah. he's hesitating yeah. every time. Keeping him on his hip yeah, and then trying to get that corner guy. That's the main thing he's doing right now, right? Yeah. Is he always has, I think he's so big and like wide enough, just honestly, where he can get the the lob pass going, no matter when he, whenever he wants to. Like if it's, he's either one step or one, one like slide away from getting the lob pass up. What he's doing consistently now is he starts the pick and roll, gets a guy on his hip, knows the roll man is going, the primary action is still happening. That's the main thing you got to stop. Your house is on fire. Mm. But also, the corner man over there, whoever's supposed to come tag him, is leaving the tag super early. Mm. And he's like he did in the that cool Maxi highlight, right? Where he jumped and he didn't even look at him and flung the ball over there yep. for that three. Your house is on fire, but also someone's coming to rob you. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah, what are you gonna do? Yeah. Gotta put the fire out. Yeah, but he that maxi play was made possible because they had the floor space in such a way where on the strong side there was a guard who's not helping. 
And then on the weak side, there was a big who felt ob- obligated to slide over and help on Dwight. And Luca got downhill fast. Yeah. You know, that's kind of the a, a big criticism of Dennis whenever he was here is that he'd take this ball screen and kind of just like dribble it once mm-hmm. or twice and then go. Yeah. But if you just go, then that's whenever you're like, oh, my God, there's a truck coming at me from this mm-hmm. way and my pants are burning. You <laughs> yeah. know, you what have to do something. To do? Yeah, you have to do something right away. But uh, every half second that you waste really puts you behind the eight ball. And that goes back to pace in general, because if you if you don't get the ball across half court until there's 17 seconds left in the shot clock, you can only run one pick. Yeah. You can't run two or three. Uh, so it's it's one of those. It's just this self, this vicious cycle but defensively um talk about pick and roll on offense defensively i want to talk about that a little bit now too no, don't uh, make me scroll down here it's a little tough so i'll uh, i'll give you some numbers and then we can kind of our switching talk about numbers this. are very yeah. bad yeah switching is tough <laughs> and, and now you know i will say offensively they're playing a totally new system they still play spread pick and roll but it's it's different spacing and defensively they're doing different things now too they're running a, uh, a slightly more conservative system with KP, like they did whenever Tyson was here for the second time. Um, and they're running, uh, whenever KP's not on the floor, they're usually like stepping out a little bit or sinking way back, like they did against the Knicks, where yeah. it's like Julius Randle is Pack then, the paint. yeah, really like playing one on one from the three point line, which you like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're encouraging post-ups, which is cool. I mean, teams are really picking on Dwight, but, like, dude. Unless it's Anthony Davis. I will let you – yeah, I'll let you post me up 3,000 times per game. And just just to, to put this in reference, uh, the Mavs have faced 104 post-ups this season. They're the number 10 post-up defense in the NBA. Posting up is inefficient. I'm, there's no other way about it. But the, the pick and roll, which is the most common thing that you will see in the NBA, is where they've really struggled this year, which is to be expected whenever it's a bunch of new guys. But what's happening a lot is as KP drops, right? So mm-hmm. KP's man is the guy that's setting the screen. Let's say Dorian or Luca or Seth or Is Jaylen this considered or, soft, I guess, in the labeling? Uh, Second Spectrum has them labeled all switch soft show ice blitz. Yeah, it would, so be, probably it would soft, be soft, right? Yeah, it would be soft. Um, so... Basically, what's happening is there's a lot of different ways that you can set a screen, and doing this on a podcast is probably stupid, but I'm, I hope that people are able to follow along. So let's say Jalen is the defender and KP is the big man. So mm-hmm. Jalen is guarding the guy with the ball, and they're on, from the offense's perspective, the right side of the floor. So KP's man is coming from the opposite side of the floor to set a screen on Jalen so that Jalen's man, let's say it's Kemba Walker, can go to his left and attack the middle. Offenses always want to get the ball into the middle of the floor Mm -hmm. because you can pass it to either side, you can pass it out, you can pass it, you're going toward the rim. That is where you want to go. And now, whenever you're playing a conservative, sort of soft defensive coverage, KP, instead of stepping out and showing so that Kemba has to take a longer route to get to the middle, or blitzing so that Kemba has to give it up right away, he's playing a very soft, conservative coverage where he'll stay back, drop like three or four steps behind his own man so that he can see what develops. Mm-hmm. Right? Think of it as like he's playing free safety. So the only problem with that is if you, the ball, the ball handler defender, so in this example, if you're Jalen and you – 
run into the screen. Yeah. You don't dodge the screen or you go over the screen. Going over, in my opinion, is probably the worst way to do it because you're behind the play at that point. You get you're, chunkied. Yeah, yeah. You're <laughs> like a – if you go over the screen, you're a pass rusher who is bit too hard on uh, a draw play, yeah. right? And you're out of – you're chasing now at this point. So if you go over – but there's ways to – Combat that right. If, if you got to be pretty long though, yeah. Because a lot be of people, a lot of people do play that trail pick and roll. Or if you start bringing the ball up though, they they'll bop yeah, it they on the back of your head. If yeah. you're lazy with it, or yeah. like, I mean, to be fair, if you're dribbling it with your left hand as you move to the left, the ball is showing to your yeah. defender. So you got to be really good at ball handling. I think only Delon or Dorian, I would trust chasing. Mm, yeah, it's kind of it's hard. And now dodging a pick is hard too without yeah. committing a foul and all that stuff. For sure. And you don't want to as the ball handler, you don't want to go under the screen because then your guys getting an open three. So it's very hard. I mean, this is this isn't easy stuff that we're talking about. Uh and it all happens in a second, but KP suddenly now is playing one on two against Kemba Walker and Robert Williams or against LeBron James and Anthony Davis or mm-hmm. whoever. He's playing one on two. And he's backpedaling as the guy that has the ball is running downhill full force yeah. and so at some point you have to make a choice right you, you're running yeah. out of real estate so you either have to bite on the ball handler in which case he can throw a lob over you or you have to stick to your guy in which case the ball handler goes up for a layup and you try and contest it you probably foul him or maybe you block it one out of five but if you do block it your man is getting the rebound and dunking it yeah and so suddenly if you're playing one on two unless you play it perfect every time or unless you get a really good tag from your teammate, or unless your uh, guy that was defending the ball handler recovers in time to make a play on the ball, you're probably going to give up a shot at the rim. And unless you're both athletic enough to be quick on your feet, and also you keep your arms up so you prevent the pass. But it's it's so hard, and if you haven't played in two years, it's even harder. And so that's Mm -hmm. why, in my opinion, we see this a lot whenever the Mavs are running empty, whenever teams are running empty side against the Mavs, where there's no offensive player on the strong side the same side of the floor that they're setting the screen which means that help defense has to come from even even farther away Mm -hmm. and so in one dribble you get around the screen throw it up and it's just a dunk fest right now um that's things that can be cleaned up but right now it's really really hurting them they're 27th in pick and roll roll man defense and they're 30th in cut defense and a lot of the times what's the is it points per possession or what points per possession yeah is it what I have on second spectrum is pick and roll defense. All it's one point oh four on picks. Is that what that shows, or is it? Uh, I'm just, I just I'm just wondering if they give different numbers. No, so ball handler is its oh, own thing okay. too. Yeah, so okay. they're actually pretty good against the ball handler because what they're doing is encouraging these eighteen foot pull ups. Yeah, which are the worst shots because even if you make them, you're only getting two, mm-hmm. and the average player is only going to make about forty percent of them, which is point eight points per shot, which is exactly what they're giving up. So they're doing a really good job at, at containing kind of the ball handler, and that's that's the advantage that the that dropping the big man gives you is because if he if KP steps out and tries to stay in front of Kimball Walker, mm-hmm. he's going to get burnt every right. single time. But instead, uh, teams are starting to pick up on that. Smart teams like Boston and uh, last night Dennis with Mitchell Robinson hooked yep. up a, a few times, and they're giving up 1.3 points to the roll man uh, per possession, and they're giving up 1.5 points to cutters oh per God. possession, and those are really really bad. Now they only make up about exactly one out of every eight possessions that teams have played against the Mavs this year. But if one out of every eight times down the floor you're getting a dunk, yeah. <laughs> then you're probably going to score a lot of points. And unless 
the Mavs are doing everything else perfectly, but then the problem is once you dunk it three times in a row, you're going to start overreacting, yeah. so you're going to start tagging more aggressively, which leaves three-point shooters open, which is how Frank Nilekina hits four and Marcus, Smart, or Marcus Morris hits five. Marcus Smart even hit like four yeah. or five the other night too. So that's whenever bad shooters get going because instead of being partially open, they're wide open. And mm. so that to me is like the core issue of the defense right now is just fundamental pick and roll stuff. Like we saw it in 2015 in the playoffs, the Rockets figured it oh out and started going with Josh Smith and Dwight Howard and yeah. kind of picking it's on whoever, Tyson. Whoever Dirk was guarding. Yeah, yeah. They started because Dirk would go over and Tyson would drop back and Josh Smith mm. would throw these lobs to Dwight Howard. And so uh, if you can target a guy – in this case, I'm not sure they're targeting KP exactly, but they're targeting an empty spot on the floor because they know how KP is going to defend it. Uh, then you, you're just giving up a lot, a lot, a lot of layups. And to the Mavs' credit, they don't give up too many shots in the restricted area. They're actually uh, in restricted area shots per game. They're about league average, um, maybe a slightly above league average, but they do play a slower pace. And so restricted area shots per 100 possessions, they're, they actually rank very low end. So uh, they got to do a better job of defending the paint, of staying in front of their man, and then fighting through and communicating these screens a little better because they're just getting cooked way too often. Last night, Mitchell Robinson was like seven of eight from the field. It was all dunks. I mean... This is he and Dennis is what won that game. Yeah, Dennis, who hadn't made a shot yeah. since the season opener. I mean, it's. Yeah. I'm really happy that he had a good game. Yeah. I love that guy. Sweetheart I will forever stand Dennis Smith Jr. I really, really, really like him as a person, and I do think that he is definitely. He's not done as a player, like for yeah. sure. I, I, I don't think. I hope that he gets gets going here. Unfortunately, he got going last night. Mm. He hadn't made a three since game 81 of last season. Well, he made two of them last night. So. Yeah. That's the kind of night it was, but you've got to corral these roll men on the pick and roll and these weak side cutters coming from the opposite block to dunk it because that right now is getting you beat. It doesn't matter what you do on offense. If you're going to be a bottom 10 defense and give up 10, 12 dunks a game, you're going to have a hard time winning games. Yeah. That's, it's interesting to think about how everything in the NBA now, is even what shots guys train on and what shot – guys try and add to their arsenal is entirely about pick and roll and how defenses adjust right mm. like that's why Kawhi is unstoppable because he'll run a pick and roll on you and he wants you to fall back and play it soft so he can shoot from the elbow because mm. that's a shot he practices 1,000 times a day and he to you it's a very inefficient shot and you laugh and then he hits four out of six mm. and then he hits the fifth one and you're just like and then you step out on him, and that's what am I supposed to do? Gets you in foul trouble yeah. and finds his teammates. Yeah, and I mean, Tony Parker was the first guy that I remember like watching a basketball game and going, I don't even know if he knows what he's doing or if he's just trying to get to a spot on the floor. Like he's just he has three shots that he shoots from, yeah. or three spots. <laughs> that is it. Yeah, that is it, and it just depends how you play it. It's either elbow and the rim. Yep, that's all he does ever. That's that's it. <laughs> And it's almost, I mean, I've watched, there's a couple of sporting, sporting events that I've watched and you watch players like close enough and you realize this thing isn't, they're not doing chess right now. They're beating you at checkers. And it's back whenever Peyton Manning was like lighting it up for the Broncos. And I was like, he only has like four windows he throws into. Mm-hmm. There's literally four. Like I, I can, I can visualize them in my head and basketball is doing the same thing. Cause how we defend pick and rolls now, whenever you do find, I mean, Love Jalen to death. He's a sweet dude. Uh, one of my favorite players in the team. 
he hasn't quite mastered the pick and roll defense yet. Mm-hmm. How to get around screens. And I don't know if that's because as a league we don't run that full speed. Like I feel like they always uh, okay, let's run pick and roll defense and someone comes up and you you're aware a screen's coming at you and so you already have your footwork and spots and you're okay, I got around that one. In a game it's it's different. The guy hits you with a crossover to the right and you're leaning this way and the big man comes and you're get cement trucked and then he's rolling and you're freaking hooked on him and you're chasing and you're jailing and you're six two and you you just can't you're not effective in the play, right? Mm. Um so what you explained is perfect. Is KP starts dropping back? I hope so. That and then seemed very confusing. no. It made it made a lot of sense <laughs> to me. KP starts dropping back because this is my guy. Like I'll keep looking at you as you're driving the ball at me, but I'm always worried about this thing over here. Um, and then some guy hits a floater, or some guy hits an elbow, and then he does it again. And you're like, "What am I supposed to do? What do you want me to do here? Mm. What do you? I you can't I, do anything. You can't run. We can't." They're not going to choose to run pick and roll against the line and maxi every time. Mm. They're smart, right? And we're not going to play them more than 20, 20 to 24 minutes a night anyway. Mm. There's a whole lot of basketball out there with guys that aren't plus-plus defenders and DeLon, Maxi, Dodo situations. And even Porzingis. Yeah, and KP. And they're going to find you, and they're going to get you spinning in a pick and roll. And that's the goal. And that's the book on the Mavs until they fix it. And I'm not sure how you fix it right now unless you – because if you start rolling out lineups that are three deep defensively, if you always either have DeLon, Maxi, KP, Dorian on the court at the same time, the offensive end gets a little light, right? And you even – you push the ball probably less. Um, so I, I don't know if there's a solve for that right now your two most important playmakers are a first year guard and a second year guard yeah and young guards and young big men usually get roasted defensively so that's gonna it's gonna be i mean luca and brunson are not they're not plus defenders yet so until they are it's gonna be kind of weird yeah and maybe you are just picking your poison of okay well just pack the paint let them shoot that's fine and then you you know you lose to the knicks and you're like well, that one hurts. <laughs> I don't want that to ever happen again. Whatever we did this game, let's not ever do that again. Mm. And then you overcorrect the other way. Um, and that's why, I mean, it's good to have people here that have been in the league for a long time because they know to stay the course, right? Mm. It'll correct. Like last year, I can't remember what – we were talking about something like this last year. It might have just been three-point shooting or shot creation in general. And I was like, they're getting good looks. They're just not hitting for like the first ten games of the season. And then it started changing. Mm. And they went on that good run where they got up to whatever, back to 500 or whatever. 15 and 11, man. Yeah, 15 and 11 at one point. Um, because the offense was working, the guys weren't knocking them down. And it's you got to trust what you're doing in every scenario that happens, particularly in pick and roll offense, defense, and shot creation. And at some point, it's going to click. They're going to start – KP's either going to – fake fake show more and just get people off balance to where giving the guard more time to recover um because that timing i mean that takes what it took maxi three four years to get pick and roll timing down um and we're expecting kp 
Took Dirk 21. Yeah, it took Dirk 22, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Never did. <laughs> um, and we're expecting KP to be, like, the cure-all for, for defensive pick-and-roll situations. You can't stop two guys by yourself. You just you can't. Yeah. It's imp- Even if you're 7'3 and you're, mm. and you're a badass, you, you can't do it every time. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's an interesting conversation. At the end of all of it, though, and I, I mean, I'm still down to keep going. I don't care. No, nah, we're, we're good. Going we're on. good. It's Friday. People aren't going to listen to an hour and 30-minute podcast. Yeah, they weekend. are. They at, probably will. At the end of all of it, just after all that we've discussed, shooting, rotations, Luka, pick-and-roll defense, the Mavs have won their six best shooting games, and they've lost their five worst. <laughs> so it's a make or miss. Just make your shots. If, if their effective field goal percentage has been 49 plus, they're 6-0. and oh. If it's been 49 minus, they're 0-5. Oh they're That's true crazy. shooting. They've won their six best. They've lost their six worst. If it's 55 plus, they win. If it's 55 minus, they lose. And so that is kind of – it's a make or miss league, man. As Falwell says, shot making is the best deodorant in the oh, league. If 100%. you make your shots, if you go instead of going 11 of 46, I think is what they were against the Knicks the first time or something. If you go 13 for 46, yeah. Then you win. And I remember saying that last night I was, there was somebody on uh on Twitter just going to surprise you. They were mad. Oh no, and, online? Uh, yeah, it was they were they were, they were very mad online and it was so. halftime and uh the Mavs were down I think 5. Yeah. Right? They were down 5 at halftime and someone was you know, very upset and reasonably so. I'm not trying to mock anyone for caring. Like our business depends on people caring. Right. And sports, I care about sports, dude. Like you want to, you want to see someone get upset about what happens with the Mavs? Come talk to us after uh, after they lose an overtime to the Lakers. You get swung right? on. Yeah, yeah. It's we. I get upset too. Like this is. It's very frustrating. I want them to win, but. Uh, at halftime, someone was saying, man, Rick sucks and Luca this and KP that and they need to run more plays for this and our, our free agency told you our free agents sucked and all that stuff. And I'm like, bro, they're two of 18 on threes. If they were six of 18, if they just make four wide open threes, they're up seven and everyone is loving it. Like, yeah. This is the best night ever. Like mm-hmm. In a league where, especially as this team, which is toward the extreme of three-point shooting, if you're taking 40 or 50 of these per night – these shots are worth three points. So an extra two or three makes is 100% the difference between a win and a loss in every single game they've played this season. Their most lopsided loss was to Boston, 10 points, and it was tied with like two and a half minutes left in that game. If they make a shot, they win. I mean, that is really what it comes down to. It's just make a shot. Just make a shot, Mike. Uh, But that's what all of this is. And so... You can get mad, and that's why I'm glad I'm not a coach, dude, because if I was a coach, I'd be like, all this pick-and-roll defense, like, do we really need to get better at it? Like, right. just make your shots. Just make, yeah. It's so easy to do the Mike D'Antoni thing, the Don Nelson thing, as the, the world's largest glacier is melting. How much ice do you need? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, like, to do the Don Nelson, just lean in and be like, who cares about defense? Just make your threes. The craziest thing. If we thing. make three more threes per game, we're undefeated. Un, they're 11-0 and 0 if they make three extra threes per game. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. The craziest thing to me is that there's a whole other ice machine on the other end of the building <laughs> no. that you can just scoop ice into. No, no. But man, people like love it. the crushed ice from back here. Well, yeah, it's good that's ice, That's right man. next to the podcast crushed studio. Ice is, crushed ice is good ice. You know, a lot of people would say, bad idea. 
crust ice machine right next to the podcast studio, we say, let's try it. Dude, if don't Innovative. let them don't let them get below 500 this year. Otherwise, oh. you will take a baseball bat to the ice <laughs> machine be done. the next time. Every morning I will come in here, open the ice machine, and pour it all into the oh, sink. Oh, you want crushed ice, yeah. huh? <laughs> here you go. Just step on it and then put it right back in. So, so going into last night, and I got to check these numbers after this, uh, the Jake Kemp. The one, Jake Kemp. Who's that guy? Uh, sent me a text. He said, 96 players have set at least 75 off-ball off screens this year. So, talking off-ball screens, <laughs> you're in the right place. Nice. And I was nice. like, ooh. Uh, ranks. Dorian Finney-Smith, number one. Maxi Kleba, eight. Powell, 18. KP, 32. So... Are you saying Dorian has set the most off-ball screens in the NBA? I don't NBA? know if it's the most or the most efficient. I think oh, it's probably okay. probably the most. He would have said he would have put in points per possession. So we're just setting the living hell out of off-ball screens. <laughs> Dorian finishes. Dorian is just like ah! he plays like 18 minutes a yeah, game, dude. He's killing it. He's killing the off-ball screen game. That's all he's doing on offense. He's not even looking for the ball ever. He's just full oh fullbacking. I'm trying to think of who he sets the screens for. I couldn't tell you. But uh, I thought that was fascinating. I was like, what? Why do we have three guys in the top 12? Yeah, you want to hear a Galaxy Brain offensive take? And a, their offensive system is going to keep developing point and, line? and evolving and changing. Well, yeah. That's, okay. you know, I'm, I'm thinking just this year oh, okay. locally. Um, KP spending less time setting ball screens and spending more time setting off ball screens for shooters, for small guys. I'm Brunson, Curry. I or think that's where you can get some. Uh, maybe somebody set a screen for him every once in a while. That would be cool too. That would be. And, th- and now they do. They run some pin down stuff for him and, and, and things yeah, like that. Yeah, every but, once in a while. But it's uh, like the same motion. Every, every I know how he's getting open. And yeah. If I know how he's getting open. Yeah, but I mean, if you watch every Hawks game, you know how. Yeah, every, I suppose. You know, it's red this, velvet gets open, but <laughs> it's uh, the same. It's the same motion. Like yeah. I know he's gonna come out from the elbow and have a little lateral hop skip out to the three point line, and here we go. Yeah, but. Uh, that's what I kind of want to see is empty, empty one side of the floor for KP and Seth, neither of whom have the ball. Let KP set a screen for Seth and just see, see what happens. You got to get Seth going, man. Yeah. Got to. Two points in 24 minutes last night, and his only points was that putback. Yep. It was an important bucket. It was a big play. But – and it My was kind guy. of the same situation as in Orlando. He was like, he sat for 30 minutes yeah. and he comes in and I'm like, oh God. And then I see him get the rebound and I'm like, buddy, please make yeah. it. <laughs> please. Yeah. I can't, I can't let you yeah. do this You're, twice. You were out there for one thing primarily. I mean, they coach him to play defense and he's a part of everything else, but you're out there to make that net catch on fire. Mm. And if you're not doing that for three or four games, that's going to be real tough for us to win. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, – and, I mean, I could be wrong because I, I haven't gone back and watched last night's game because no, no, we flew to? home after the game, got home at about 3 o'clock, landed at about 3 o'clock, got home, unpacked, went to sleep, woke up, came here, uh, saw there was a delicious Thanksgiving spread mm-hmm. in the break room. And, uh, Thank I, you, Mark I, more Thompson. More importantly, there was a huge dessert tray. Yeah, Mark and Linda Thompson are the goats. There was a huge uh, dessert kind of platter. Oh, yeah, I have a cookie. And I, I went and was filling up my plate, and I saw some cake pops, but <laughs> I skipped on the cake pop because, Mike, I don't like peppermint. But anyway, came here, and we recorded this podcast, and uh, Why so I haven't, I haven't gone back and are. rewatched the game, <laughs> but it seems like 
there was not as much off-ball movement in the game last night. Now, New York did zone them up. Uh, New York played some 2-3, but that was the first time they played it this year. It seemed like there was not as much off-ball movement against the Knicks and the Celtics as there was against the Grizzlies. There, people were whizzing all over the floor against Memphis. And now Memphis is not as good of a defensive team, so maybe maybe it's easier to move against them. I have no idea. But they also played 14 more possessions against Memphis, and so that helps too. Whenever you're buzzing around the floor, you get quicker shots. So I think what you were saying about earlier about Luca, where it's like everyone is sort of like, I, here, I'm going to watch you do it, and then if I get the ball, take it back, take it back. I think everyone kind of needs to get a little more, a little more comfortable, and this goes for Luca as well. Feeling comfortable, moving without the ball, getting it, and if it's not there, just keep it moving. Just the ball moves faster than any defense can, and so if you're struggling to score, if you're struggling to get open looks, keep moving it, man. Work, work for one. What's up, Chris Arnold? The uh, great. Just keep keep moving, keep working. Yeah, keep moving, keep working. You got time. You got time to get something to yeah. drink. You got time to get something to drink. Ready? Go Mavs. Go Mavs. Spoken by the goat, Chris Arnold. <laughs> um, but so yeah, just keep moving, man. The ball moves faster than any defender can. These are these are all guys who know how to play, right? They know what spots to be in. Like them or hate them, love them or loathe them, whatever. These guys all know how to play basketball. So just keep moving, keep trusting each other, and keep eventually going things forward. are going to fix. Yeah, yeah, just keep moving forward. What Michael Jordan said. Yeah. All right, well, I'm about done with basketball talk today. Me too. We, we You can forget about the NBA until, until tomorrow. tomorrow morning. <laughs> Whenever the Toronto Raptors, the yeah. defending champions, who, by the way, are really, really, good really good, team. man. They're 8-3. and three. They've yeah. beaten the Lakers. Seventh in net rating right now. Kyle Lowry is not playing for them, and they're still winning games. Kyle's not playing? No, he's out. He has a, a fractured thumb, I want to say. Something with his hand. He's uh, going to miss a couple weeks. taking his annual month off. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> he does miss usually a month every year. But, yeah, yeah Pascal Siakam, I mean – if watching the Knicks kind of with the, like the Randall, Marcus Morris, sort of like not really bully oh, ball, but just like get a bunch super of aggressive. Serge Ibaka, Marc Gasol, OG, uh, Rondé Hollis Jefferson yeah. in your grill. <laughs> Dude, Have fun and, with that. And Pascal is just the king of all of them, man. He yeah. just, just throws himself at yeah. the basket. I mean, he is like constantly on the verge of, yeah. oh my God, this guy is out of control. Like just... Yeah. Yeah, I don't, there's there's limbs flying everywhere with that team, and so that's going to be really tough, man. You gotta you gotta play good defense. You gotta be disciplined. You gotta get rebounds. They're and gonna test you. Toronto will push the ball too. Yeah, they're they not really afraid good of pace. running. And they move it and they they shoot it. They're really good. Um, and pace matters too. The other night in their last game, Marcus All played 35 minutes. Siakam played 41. Fred Van Viet played 40. Uh, they're they play like a six-man rotation right now. So yeah. you can run them. You can run them out of the gym. Let's play with some pace. Please, Let's do it. just play with a little bit of pace. Let's have some fun. It's Saturday night. It's the defending champs. DeLon Wright mm. hasn't gotten his ring yet. He'll get it whenever he and goes to Toronto. He'll give to it me. to you. Yeah. And um, so. then I will make a deal with him to get the next ring that he wins. Mm. Okay. Uh, he'll just give that one to me. Man, he's going to be so upset. Yeah, we'll be have no rings. He'll be like, I swear to God, I won two titles. Yeah, but just go win another one. Yeah. You know, like like, uh, Pat McCaw. He's won three straight championships. That's right. (laughs) Yes, hasn't he? Should have signed Pat McCaw. Yeah. Damn. What are they doing, man? They let him go back to Toronto? Are you kidding me? It's a bad idea. Just like they, is it James Jones? (laughs) 
Oh, yeah. Like four straight titles. He's got like as many championships as Koozie, I think. <laughs> it's like, what? The GOAT. That's what I'm talking about. Legend. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, well, make your shots and don't let them make shots. I think that's what we discovered today. Yeah. That's, well, the, that's, the, that's the truth serum to all this. Let's at least play really well tomorrow night. Have a good weekend. Go out in the patio somewhere. Have some margs. And if it cheers you up at all, Roger Stone was found guilty on all seven charges. So <laughs> have a good weekend, boys. Oh, and uh, by the way, uh, President Bush just died. Breaking news. <laughs> oh, darn it. <laughs> all right. Have a good one.